Hello there, governor, and welcome to the uh, another episode of Wiki Wiki What, uh, the podcast where we do claim to be the experts, all thanks to Wikipedia. I'm Mitch Kreitzman, alongside my co-host Jordan Kreitzman. Uh, Jordan, I did trip up there a little bit on the intro, but I don't want it to take away from the immense talent of my British accent. It was a little offensive, maybe. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I'm not so sure. Brits are the one group of people we can just shit all over without consequence, I think. Yeah. I mean, they're white. We're white. <laughs> it's, it's one of those cases works, right? where it's like, we, uh, well, any, uh, any country that we won a war against, I'm cool with it. All right. Your, Eng- your England's, your Germany's, not Korea. We'll, we'll stay away from Korea. <laughs> But we did lose Vietnam, so that's not it. That's not involved. Respect for Vietnam. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, no. All the time at home, I'll just I have certain British words that I love using, like without any context to them. Like I'll just go, "It's a bit of a shit, isn't it?" (laughs) Or I'll say, uh, "It's absolutely ludicrous." Just stuff that sounds really fun in a British accent without context. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Jordan, you heard there in the intro, we're uh, we're back with Wiki Wiki What. I think it's um, I think it's a very fun, easy premise, something we that we both really enjoy doing. Would you agree? Oh yeah, yeah, Mitch. I just I would just say we're back. We had a couple of backlogs from the Minneapolis trip. That's we're true. Just, we're just back in general. It's been a couple weeks. Yeah, back in the uh, the old uh, the old basement, and where are you at? <laughs> Where is that room? Uh, Jordan, you may remember I told you I uh, gutted the closet of my guest room and turned it into a desk. Ah, okay. You're in that room. Okay. Yes, I am. I see it And now. it's been working out <laughs> swimmingly. Oh, swimmingly. Yes. All right. Dare I say swimmingly. All right. <laughs> I allow it. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Um, It's been a little while since we did this. Not super long, but uh, just as a refresher. Uh, we go to a random Wikipedia article using Wikipedia's random article generator, and then we use that page to sort of take us to another Wikipedia page, and so on and so forth, till we get to something worth talking about. Um, it takes a while. If I remember Often. correctly, last time it started with Portland State University and ended with a dog war hero. Was that the second one? It was. It was the second one, What was one, the first one we did about... That was a lot of. Uh, oh. oh, that was uh, like old racist comics, I think, and like children's books. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, are you ready to get into it? Um. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it, indeed. All right, Jordan. I'm hitting the random button here. It's a lot easier to randomize this than it is our normal procedures. Well, yeah, because it's it's kind of just all ready for you with Wikipedia, right? You're... It's built into the algorithm. I don't have to, all I have to do is click a button. You've got your own computational process on the other ones. And as you may remember, I I give us up to five randomly generated articles if we feel that there's just not enough to go off of in the one that's in front of us. Okay. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully we're able to get it right away. But well, we're giving ourselves up to five. All right, let's do it. Well, this certainly seems really solid. 
I'll say that right away. Uh, I'm seeing a good well of content here. Um, Oh yeah, no, this is this is it right off the bat. (laughs) This is the Wikipedia page for Super Robot Wars. Jordan, Super Robot Wars. Lucky on this one. (laughs) Yes, we did. Super (laughs) Robot Wars is a series of tactical role-playing video games produced by Bandai Namco Entertainment. Formerly Banpresto, starting out as a spin-off of the Kampati Hero series, the main feature of the franchise is having a story that crosses over several popular mecha anime, manga, and video games, allowing characters and mecha from different titles to team up or battle one another. The first game in the franchise was released for the Game Boy on April 20th, 1991, later spawning numerous games that were released on various consoles and handhelds. Due to the nature of crossover games and licensing involved, only a few games have been released outside Japan and in English. The franchise celebrated its 25th anniversary in 2016. So, in a way, we're talking about Super Smash Bros. before Super Smash Bros. Mitch, what's a manga? <laughs> it's uh, it's anime and comic form, basically. Oh. Like graphic novels, sort of, I would say. Okay. But in Japan. Huh. Already learning All stuff. Right. Click on that. <laughs> I guess we already know it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see if we can. I, I want to see what kind of franchises were involved in this because we're talking about a, a basically. A, they say they call it a tactical RPG, but yeah. it combines multiple different like game franchises. So I want to see well, if we recognize. Mitch, one of the developers is Winky Soft. <laughs> Did you say Winky Soft? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think we found where we're going next. <laughs> I do believe we're going to Winky Soft. <laughs> See, you know what's funny? There were so many other easier places to go on this page. Like, there's a list of platforms that this game has been released on over time, and it includes a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, most PlayStation systems, most Nintendo systems. Yeah, uh, and some this of the Wikisoft Xbox systems. Has, like, no information. <laughs> oh, we're doing it. We're going to Winkysoft. I mean, the name alone... It had to, so I, I understand. We had to, and it's it's not like we don't have anywhere to go from here. Really, the last sentence makes it worth it to me. <laughs> That's what did it for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, WinkySoft was a Japanese video game developing company. They have made video games for console systems, primarily for the Japanese video game market, as well as a handful of arcade games. On December first, twenty fifteen, WinkySoft filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> R.I.P. Winkysoft. <laughs> well, so they have uh, notable games, though, Mitch. Do they now? Um, they have a, a whole list of, of games, um, one of which is the second, third, and fourth Super Robot Wars. <laughs> yes, they helped, they helped develop all of those, which what's funny is they're referencing the Famicom and Super Famicom, which I want to say those might have been Nintendo's systems before they ever came to America. I could be wrong on that. That sounds familiar. Mitch, they um, helped with Transformers on PlayStation 2. I was just going to say, they helped <laughs> with the licensed Transformers video game, which is certainly interesting. <laughs> hmm. Let's say let's say we go to the, the licensed Transformers video game. Oh, it is not licensed to the movie. It is just a Japanese Transformers game for yeah, the PS2. Yeah, I was about to say. Um, that will it, do it. That's fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, let's see. Transformers, which in Japan was known as Toransufoma. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. 
Or The Transformers Call of the Future is an action role-playing game released by Takara in October 2003 for the PlayStation 2 exclusively in Japan. It is based on the popular Transformers animated series. During early stages of development, it was led to believe that the media that uh, it was led to believe by the media that the game was called Transformers Tataki or Transformers Assault, a title that many fans use to help disambiguate. Well, we don't have a lot of information here on the game. No. We've got a screenshot and an overview of the <laughs> gameplay. You get to select a side at the beginning of the game. So you can either play as Autobots or Decepticons. That's pretty cool. That's fun. Yeah, I I like a good RPG where you can just be evil. <laughs> well, Jordan, if you love evil, let's click on Decepticon. <laughs> now, this is going to be a deep well for sure. Okay. Um, so just for the overview, uh, the Decepticons are the main antagonists in the fictional universe of the Transformers multimedia franchise. They are depicted as a faction of sentient robot life forms led by Megatron, identified by a purple face-like insignia. Uh, capable of transforming into alternate forms, these are often high-tech or powerful vehicles, including aircraft, military vehicles, construction vehicles, expensive luxury or sports cars, and even smaller-than-human-sized objects. How does that work? Which part? I mean, how does any of this work? Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's really kind of just occurring to me. I mean, yeah, they put themselves in the cars and stuff, but then when they fully expand, they're giant robots, Mitch. Oh, yeah, no, is not I... conserved. No, no, I don't... The The concept of Transformers as a whole is mostly well, lost on me. So, I guess if they form a very small volume, they could just be incredibly dense. That's true. I mean... All right, I'm back on board. <laughs> the part that really throws me off more than anything is that they're just... They're basically aliens. Yeah, they're... Like they're not man-made robots. They're from the planet Cybertron. Do we know, and then like, when they the came to Earth, lore, they just figured out how to, you know, mold into the vehicles that we would recognize. Maybe the deep lore, though, is that they were originally made by a creator, and then they, I don't know, figured out, they became sentient and figured out how to procreate. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I mean, well, I Jordan, guess that's just know, like human's existence. But <laughs> if you, Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, either <laughs> they just appeared as those robots one day, or, you know, they started as little gears. Yeah, like, I'm just thinking, like, someone <laughs> or built... Or, like, 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 a circuit, and then they slowly evolved into what they are now. Yeah, or they could have a whole, you know, humans could have been before them, and they sure. could just be, like, their AI on the planet, right? They became sentient and took over. Oh, yeah, that all makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, they're bad, right? So... They are bad. That's true. <laughs> They're the evil ones. But yeah. th that doesn't explain the Autobots, I suppose. Maybe they were all bad at one point. Maybe. We don't really know. <laughs> I'm not going to care enough to go look at the comic books. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's... I could do some further looking into this Wikipedia page on how the Decepticons came to be, but that does seem like a lot of work. Oh, yeah, I'm not interested in that. I mean, they give a paragraph, but it doesn't really explain much. Oh, uh, you know what? It does say they are a synergistic blend of biological evolution and technological engineering. 
Yeah. So that's something. So who made the technology? That's that's the question. The exotic materials that make up their composition is a living metal with self with self replicating cellular structure and genetic code. That's good enough for me. Oh yeah, I don't care anymore. I'm not <laughs> I'm not the kind of guy that's you know looking for plot holes in sci-fi. I'm I'm good with a, a simple explanation. Yeah, don't tell me plot holes. It ruins it for me. Right. I'm not going to think hard about it. You don't either. Now, Jordan, I went to the section for uh, the the live action films because that's really my only point of reference when it comes to Transformers. Yeah. Uh, which people who are Transformers stands out there, you know, they wouldn't be happy to hear that. But, you know, it is what it well, is. Mitch, you know, they can get the hell out. <laughs> that's true. They I don't can. know. If you're a diehard Transformers fan, I'm not sure I want you listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know who that would be. I don't exactly. know what kind of you person that one? is. No, I haven't. Exactly. <laughs> Jordan, uh, when looking at the Transformers 2007 film, the first live action, it does mention in parentheses that Megatron was voiced by Hugo Weaving. So That makes sense. To me, that, that's that the familiar. next logical place to click. In Hugo my Weaving? Opinion. Yeah. Hugo Weaving. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, the first picture is him and appear uh, seemingly in his current age, which is very oh, he jarring looks for me. I'm not used to that. <laughs> he's a uh, very pink, Mitch. Yeah, and he's got facial hair, which I'm not used to. He's got more wrinkles than I'm used to. I wouldn't even recognize him if it wasn't for the eyes. He's got lighter hair too than I would than I would think. All Maybe of it, I'm just yeah. Maybe I'm just thinking of Lord of the Rings, but also when he plays Mr. Smith in the Matrix franchise, he has darker hair too, so I don't know. Throwing me off. What's interesting to me is that he's born in Nigeria. Huh. Now, it does say that he is of British nationality, so I wonder if it was just something that his parents were working in another country or something. Well, yeah, so if you go to his early life, he was born at April 4th, 1960 at the University of Ibadan, Ibadan? Teaching yeah, Hospital in Ibadan, Nigeria. To British parents, he is the son of Ann Leonard, tour guide and former teacher, and Wallace Weaving, a seismologist. So wow. probably research-oriented. That's cool. You that know about, cool. a lot about seismologists. They study earthquakes? I mean, we could click on it. <laughs> It's true. I wonder what their favorite earthquakes are. I'll click on it. <laughs> seismology from ancient Greek seismos, meaning earthquake. Uh, seismology is the study of earthquakes and the propagation of elastic waves through the earth or through other planet-like bodies. The field also includes the studies of earthquake environmental effects, such as tsunamis, as well as diverse seismic sources, such as volcanic, tectonic, glacial, fluvial, oh, that's a fun word, oceanic, atmospheric, and artificial processes, such as explosions. I'm quite bummed that fluvial doesn't have a link. I, I was thinking the same. I <laughs> wanted to know what that was going to be. Um, let's see. We've got some interesting stuff in here. We've got the Lisbon earthquake of 1755. That's That seems like a big one if they're referencing it as being a specific year. I'm not going to lie. I think the rest of this is going to be very bland and science-y. So I think I may yeah. want to go to that. I might take a look later, though. <laughs> they, sure. It looks like it's the history of waves. I do a similar thing, Mitch. Not yeah. the history of waves, but the science of it. 
<laughs> Jordan famously has a master's in history and did a thesis on the history of waves. Yep. So this should shouldn't be a lot of new info to you. I know but, all about you know, the people who did it, but nothing about the math. <laughs> All right, let's see what's going on with the Lisbon earthquake of 1755. Lisbon. Okay, so where did you, was that earthquake? So this could be kind of, like you said, it's kind of considered their favorite earthquakes. Yeah, it's, it's listed, under the right? history page. It's under the history sublink. Uh, okay. Oh, here we go. Huh. The earthquake accentuated uh, political tensions in Portugal and profoundly disrupted the country's colonial ambitions. That's interesting. <laughs> I guess back then when you have an earthquake, you don't really know where to go from there. You're just kind of like, the whole earth just rumbled yeah, around Yeah, I mean, you us. think it's the end of the world. <laughs> Which, to be fair, if I lived in a place that had earthquakes, I'd probably be thinking that every time. Yeah, Mitch, and this one was 8.4. I mean, oh, that's we're not messing around here. Yeah. Uh, they estimate deaths between ten and 30,000. Hmm. It's one of the deadliest earthquakes in history. Mitch, that's a link. <laughs> I was just about to say, let's <laughs> oh, go to deadliest earthquakes in history. Finally doing a favorite earthquakes. <laughs> oh, wow. The 1556 Shanxi earthquake in wow. Shanxi, China. Wow. How would they How would they know how many people died in that? Yeah, it's just... I mean, can we believe the guy who wrote the scroll? <laughs> right. I walked around and counted the bodies. <laughs> and the the thing is... The number is so much higher than anything else. <laughs> yeah. 820,000 to 830,000 fatalities on an 8.0 earthquake. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's suspicious, but it is by far the deadliest earthquake. <laughs> well, but what's also weird is that the number two earthquake, also in China, the Tangshan earthquake in 1976 in Hebei, China. Yeah. They estimate between... 242,769, yeah. and 700,000 plus. Yeah. So, no idea. <laughs> this but, was 44 years ago, but and one, that's how rough the number the is? The one below they have in 1920 is exactly 273,400. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I'm going to guess... Look, I don't know why. Maybe we should look into it, but... You look at the uh, look at the Richter scale. They're both seven point eights. This one happened fifty six years prior, but they have a more exact number, and this exact number falls in between their wide range on the uh, the second one. So I'm going to guess true. this uh, number two earthquake leans much more heavily on the low end. Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, the most recent one that I'm seeing here in the top five is the 2004 Indian Ocean uh, earthquake and tsunami that took place in Indonesia. 9.1 to 9.3. I remember that, I think. Yeah. Unless I'm thinking of something else. There was a there was a 2010 one in Haiti that's number seven on the list. There are so many on this list that took place hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Yeah. How do they have this good a record of them? I mean, that's why they're saying, like, we're all overdue for volcanoes and giant earthquakes, right? Oh, because all the bad ones were this long ago? Yeah, they're all, like, a thousand years ago, so now it's, like, time to pay up. (laughs) That seems fair and bad. (laughs) Yeah. What is the 1303 Hongdong earthquake? Hongdong? I hardly knew her. (laughs) 
Ghost? Oh, no. <laughs> Hang Dong? More like Hong Dong. <laughs> um, oh, man, that's not the name of the city. Why is it called that? <laughs> yeah, what? Did you click on it? I am now. 1303 yeah. Hong Dong Earthquake. What is... Uh, occurred in China, then part of the Mongol Empire on September 25th, 1303. Again, we were already going off of the Gregorian calendar by this point. I guess I really have no sense of history. <laughs> this, is not more the, that I, this is not a history podcast for anything sure. Anything pre-Renaissance, I assume, has just been lost to time, but that's apparently not the case. Anything like pre-Bush? like Bush. <laughs> 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 so we're talking like it, w I mean, bush <laughs> yeah yeah anything pre-2000 i'm just like you lost me i you checked i checked out <laughs> yeah i still don't see any uh oh wait wait. i see a hong dong near the present day towns of hong dong so oh, they uh, hong dong ended that? up being a city in that area but, oh i see it well we got to go to the hong dong of page. Course. that was the whole reason we came here hong and dong Oh wait, Hong Tong. Hong Tong. What? Okay, so it's listed in the previous article <laughs> as Hong Dong, and then when we click on it, it takes us to Hong Tong County. Well, that's not nearly as fun, Mitch. <laughs> no, Hong Tong is nowhere near as fun as Hong Dong. No, because it doesn't have the word dong in it. Well, you didn't have to explain it, but yeah, <laughs> I feel like I did. I don't know, <laughs> Mitch. Let's uh, see. So that was weird. I mean. No, I agree. I don't really understand that either. Can we back up? I don't. I don't care about this anymore. <laughs> no, I mean I'm seeing some interesting stuff in their economy. All right. <laughs> um, as of 2019, Hong Tong County has a GDP of 15.15 billion renminbi. You want to know what renminbi is? <laughs> <laughs> it's about the same ratio as unicorns to Stanley Nichols. <laughs> Let's see the renminbi. Uh, let's see, is the official currency of China and one of the world's reserve oh. currencies. Really? Why Ren do we know this? <laughs> is what it's called? Yeah, I'm... Is, is yen just in Japan? Must be. Oh, boy. We are really showing our incompetence today. <laughs> you know what's interesting is that it's the official user of this currency is China. But some unofficial users include Macau, Laos, Cambodia, North Korea, Myanmar, Nepal, and Zimbabwe. What does it take to become an unofficial user of another country's currency? Yeah, that's... Yeah. Maybe it's just <laughs> traded there enough that it counts? I don't know. Yeah, enough of a connection? I don't know. Let's see here. They have three secondary vocational schools, bitch. <laughs> Who does? Intriguing. <laughs> Wait, Hong Tong County. Oh, interesting. They have 145 kindergartens. <laughs> that seems kind of high. And nine ordinary high schools. It says. What does that mean? <laughs> That's not where the gifted kids go. <laughs> oh, maybe this is what had me confused. The currency symbol for it is the same as yen, but it's a different form of currency. Oh. Oh, you're on so Renminbi now. Yeah, I'm in Renminbi. Okay, I was behind. I was one. curious <laughs> enough of what on earth that was that I wanted to find out. Hmm. 
Do you want to see another country's form of currency? There are a lot listed in here. Yeah, sure. Where are you going? Uh, I went to the economics tab on this page, and it's got the listed values of a bunch of different uh, world currencies. Okay. Hmm. Euro. Israel. Uh, Israel's is called a shekel, which seems weird. <laughs> That's very biblical. It is. That's makes true. Sense. <laughs> Let's see. Hungarian forint. Uh, Indian rupee. Mexican peso. How about the Norwegian krone? Let's check that out. Sounds like Kronos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not a uh, Star looks Trek. Like it's a, looks like it's a primarily uh, coin-based system. Uh, you've got 1, 5, 10, and 20 kroner uh, coins. So that's interesting. Those, I, um, I mean, is it interesting? I guess I don't know. And why do the one and fives have the holes in the middle? Hmm. No thanks, Norway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that either. I'll do it without makes that. It, makes it look fake. Exactly. An Indian rupee. Hmm. You gotta love that. Yeah. What is it called in uh, Legend of Zelda? Oh, is it rupee? also rupees? It <laughs> yeah. is rupees. Is it just spelled different? Probably spelled different. I'm no Zelda expert, but... Let's go to the Indian rupees, see if there's something more there. <laughs> see if we can make our way over to Zelda. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> hmm, the etymology doesn't seem to have anything included. Hmm. Let's see. Boy, a lot of numbers. Not a fan of that. These coins look... Oh, those are old coins. <laughs> yeah, they're not the current coins. <laughs> those are very old coins. <laughs> Convertibility. I don't know what this chart means at all. This is we, so lost oh on boy, me. We've, <laughs> we've stumbled across a bad one here. Yeah, we've we made a mistake. we got to find our way out, Mitch. <sighs> Let's see... I got to find the most interesting thing I can on this page. <laughs> Zimbabwe. Do we think that'll be interesting? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we tried. Um, I saw something in here. Let me go back to it. It's going to take me a second here. A gold to silver ratio. Like the coin itself? I guess, yeah. The coin itself has gold in it? Well, no, no, sorry. Just in general, gold to silver ratio. Oh, I see. I don't know. The world supply. Like how much each is worth, I guess? I guess, yeah. Where is it? I saw something about the East India Trading Company, which I feel like they basically owned the world at a certain point. (laughs) Oh, yeah, here we go. The British East India Trading Company. Uh, If you go to the history down in the 1900s, under worldwide rupee usage, you have British East India Company. 1900s. There's a lot. There's a lot on this page. <laughs> yeah, it's very dense and yeah. very uninteresting. Uh, yeah. Uh, Winston Churchill. We missed a. We missed that. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> it's too late now. I All still right, can't so the- find it. Oh, here we go. British East India Company. The East India Company, also known under a bunch of different names, was an English and later British 
what? <laughs> it was English and later British? I'm right, lost already. <laughs> An English and later British joint stock company. It was formed to trade in the Indian Ocean region, initially with the East Indies, uh, which was India and Southeast Asia, and later with King China. Uh, the company ended up seizing control of large parts of the Indian subcontinent, colonized parts of Southeast Asia and Hong Kong after the First Opium War, and maintained trading posts <laughs> and colonies in the Middle Eastern Gulf called Persian Gulf Residencies. Uh, I believe they're very, uh, they're like the main villain in like the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh, really? You know, the, the fancy men? Yeah. <laughs> The ultimates of fancy. Yeah, Mitch, it's either I, it's either Davy Jones or those fancy men in the East India Trading Company. Would have loved to live a life where an opium wars were going on. Well, you know what's funny, Jordan? I did notice their what's listed as their industry is international trade and drug trafficking, mainly opium. <laughs> I would really like to click on the article for drug trafficking if that's cool, because <laughs> I am curious what this is going to look like. Yeah, I I don't care. Do it. Where was it though? Uh right in there like intro section under industry. Mm. <laughs> Nothing, huh? Oh boy. Wait, it's, it's like right, right it's below even their flag history? and their coat of arms. Up near the top. Coat of I'm seeing Sri Lanka. What did you do? <laughs> Wait, were you Where in the, are you? Were you in the Dusty Dutch East India Company? No, right? This was the No, I'm on the East India Company. You must have accidentally clicked on No, something. I'm on, I'm in the East India Company. Um It's real close to the top of the page. See first opium war. <laughs> oh, oh drug yeah. tra- it's okay. I see. It. It's in like the little Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm there. Illegal drug trade. Or drug trafficking. Okay. Yes. A global black market dedicated to the cultivation, manufacture, distribution, and sale of drugs that are subject to drug prohibition laws. Mitch, they got a whole flowchart here. Oh, yeah. I like this. This is fun. This is, I mean, how do they have so much record of drug trafficking, but it's still able to happen? (laughs) We ever wondered that? I know police just got to hang out around those areas and get people, but ultimately they're looking for the the big timers, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's see what we got here. They have a lot of info on how marijuana is traded, alcohol. Wait, alcohol? What the hell? Oh, this is back during the Prohibition era, I guess. <laughs> that makes sense. Heroin, methamphetamine... Tamazepam? Tamazepam. <laughs> Tamazepam. <laughs> you know what? I think I need to know what Tamazepam is. A strong hypnotic benzodiazepine is an illicitly manufactured in clandestine laboratories to supply the increasingly high demand for the drug internationally. Huh. All Go right. on. <laughs> Do tell. Um... Let's click on benzodiazepine. What's this Found about? It. Benzos. Oh, benzos, of course. Benzos. They're they're mainly tranquilizers. Okay. Like your your Xanaxes and such. Okay. Gotcha. 
that's not as interesting as I was hoping. No, um, they're in the drugs commonly known as minor tranquilizers. Bummer. Oh, that's like the PG thirteen of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I'm looking at like society and culture. See if we can get back into a perhaps a pop culture area. Mitch, they've got they got hypnotic and sleep inducing. Could that be something interesting? Where do we got that? Uh, it's up at the the first. Well, like the second, right after the. Oh yeah, the yeah, gray. yeah. Hypnotic, maybe hypnotic. Oh yeah. Okay. Hypnotic. There we go. Hypnotic from Greek hypnos, sleep, or soporific drugs, commonly known as sleeping oh, pills, well. are a class of psychoactive <laughs> drugs whose primary function is to induce sleep and for the treatment of insomnia or for surgical anesthesia. Jordan, are you someone who has trouble sleeping at all? Mm, sometimes. I just don't get to sleep easily, I guess. Sure. Yeah. You're similar. Yes. I think. Agreed. Okay. Um, would you ever take sleeping pills or even like a melatonin? No, maybe a melatonin Same. if I was having issues, but I don't know why, but I just, I, I have a mental hump with that and it's <laughs> not doing it just in case it puts you to asleep. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know, Jordan, I did see a link on here for night terrors. Oh, shit. I have always kind of be yeah. curious what's involved in that let's click on, night, click on terrors. night terrors yeah uh also known as sleep terror uh it's a sleep disorder causing feelings of panic or dread typically occurring within the first or during the first three to four hours of non-rem sleep and lasting for one to ten minutes that deep sleep they can, they can last longer especially in children sleep terrors are classified in the category of nrem related parasomnias in the International Classification of Sleep Disorders. Let's see what we got in here. So, you know, we've got that specific uh, time of the night that you're getting it. Let's see. So it usually begins in childhood, decreases with age. I'm glad that means that I'll probably never have night terrors. Probably not. It does look like you could also maybe get it from certain medications or stress or fever. Interesting. So... Maybe that's why everyone's got weird dreams during COVID. <laughs> it's the fever. <laughs> Do we know what sleep paralysis is about? Do you know anyone that has it or have you ever had it? Um, no, I, I don't think I know anyone personally, but I, I've certainly read stuff online about people who like, it's like those night terrors, right? It's like you kind of wake up and are paralyzed and an alien right. abducts you or something. <laughs> A lot of people reference a sleep paralysis monster, which I hear looks similar to a lot of people. Oh, God. Isn't that terrifying? That gave me a chill. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Um, let's see. Low blood sugar probably wouldn't be interesting to click on, huh? No. <laughs> That's fair. Is so? Have we, have we covered sleep tears or night tears? Is there nothing interesting here? It just it just kind of seems like you, you it's basically just having a panic attack in your sleep. 
which I thought yeah. it was more interesting than that. It's getting a little too much into the medical side. I wanted to hear specific stories. <laughs> Same. That's kind of what I was hoping for. I guess for. I should have known better. I mean, this is a little something. During night terror bouts, people are usually described as bolting upright with their eyes wide open and a look of fear and panic on their faces. They will oh, often yell. Uh, furthermore, they will usually sweat, exhibit rapid breathing, and have a rapid heart rate. In some cases, individuals are likely to have even more elaborate motor activity, such as thrashing of limbs, which may include punching, swinging, or fleeing motions. There's a sense that the individuals are trying to protect themselves and or escape from a possible threat of bodily injury. So, I mean, that's something, I guess. Yeah, there's it's actually a lot here of, like, how the symptoms present in children's and adults. And uh, anyway, but it's... Yeah, it, it it's kind of terrifying. I'm glad I don't get these. Oh, for sure. That would be awful. I get nightmares enough without it. Yeah, you do have some weird dreams. No no stories this week. <laughs> no, I don't have any stories for us this week, <laughs> thankfully. Um, Let's see. Got anything interesting to go on from here? Um, We've been going for a good amount of time already. I don't want to end on night terrors, but no, we don't have to go scary. much further. Is good. News. <laughs> we we can find one more here. Oh, this seems fun. Uh, there's a C also at the bottom. <laughs> uh, that is fun. <laughs> two of them are horror and terror and sleep paralysis. Oh God. I can't help but wonder what the Wikipedia article for horror and terror looks Mitch, like. Mitch, I'm wondering, do we want to end the podcast with? <laughs> We'll find a good one to go to from horror okay. and terror. Okay, let's click on it. Uh, the distinction between horror and terror is a standard literary and psychological concept applied especially to gothic and horror fiction. Oh, don't like the pictures. Terror is usually described as the feeling of dread and anticipation that precedes the horrifying experience. By contrast, horror is the feeling of revulsion that usually follows a frightening sight, sound, or otherwise experience. Now... This is interesting and not something that I had considered as a something that would be different. So so honestly yeah. when when you think about like horror fiction like a horror movie it kind of uses both. It kind of uses the the terror like the building of suspense right. knowing something bad's going to happen and then the way that you react afterwards is the actual horror. That is interesting. Yeah. I this is much more informative than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> You know what we should do, Jordan? We should end it on something that I'm seeing here. Um, there's a link for Stephen King under horror fiction. I think that'd be a fun place to go. I bet he's got some fun facts in his Wikipedia. Let's do it. People like Stephen um, King. I love Stephen King. Big fan of Stephen King. Bit of a creep, but... <laughs> Weird face. Weird face. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, remember that joke from Mr. Deeds? where they're like at dinner and they're all talking about like these crazy celebrity sightings. And then Adam Sandler's like, my cousin saw, <laughs> he's like, my cousin saw Stephen King at a gas station in Maine once and lost 150 pounds after that or something. <laughs> Just a ridiculous story. Um, Wait, isn't that, it does sound like a ridiculous story, but there's actually a Stephen King book that they made into a movie. Oh, really? About Oh, thinner. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. the person, he gets a hex put on him and loses a bunch of weight. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm only using the word gypsy because this is what the book uses. I know we're not right. supposed to use this word anymore, but basically. News to me, all right. <laughs> a, a, a horribly, horribly obese man hits a gypsy with his car. 
and then the gypsy puts a spell on him right that makes him unable to stop losing weight which yeah. at first is is great but over time it kills him yeah so maybe that's uh, what it was. <laughs> perhaps um Stephen King is now 73 years old which I find surprising uh, yeah. I guess he's been in the game for a while though now that I think about it yeah I mean that would have pegged him in his uh what 30s in the no, wait yeah is that right what, 40 in years the, in ago? In the 80s, yeah. Yeah, the 80s would have been... Okay, yeah, because he was doing stuff in the 70s, too, so I mean... Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah, that seems right. Uh, multiple nom de plumes, including Richard Bachman, John Swithin, and Beryl Evans. Interesting. <laughs> Which University of Maine... 1971, Mitch. Wow, That's only nice. one spouse, three children. Almost 50 years. Good for him. Good for him. He should write a story on that. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be... I don't know if that'd be particularly interesting. It's just a guidebook. Let's see. Oh, this is interesting. I mean, sort of. I thought I was hoping there would be a specific like fun facts section, but there's not. There's some good stuff in here, though, for sure. Um, for collaborations, he's written two novels with horror novelist Peter Straub. Uh, those two novels were The Talisman and a sequel, Black House. King has indicated that he and Straub will likely write the third and concluding book in this series, The Tale of Jack Sawyer, but has set no deadline for its completion. Of course. Yo, oh, there's, a, there's a good section here for music. Let's check that out. Um, in 1988, the band Blue Oyster Cult recorded an updated version of its 1974 song, Astronomy. The single released for radio play featured a narrative intro spoken by King. The Blue Oyster Cult song Don't Fear the Reaper was also used in the King TV series The Stand. That's fun. King collaborated with Michael Jackson to create Ghosts, a 40-minute musical video. (laughs) King states that he was motivated to collaborate as he is, quote, always interested in trying something new, and for him, writing a mini-musical would be new. Fair. Huh. That is interesting. Not something I've ever heard of either, for that matter. Mitch, he was quoted as calling Glenn Beck Satan's mentally challenged younger brother. Huh. Not the... You know, Maybe not the best, much of a, but I, I, I've never had much of a proclivity for Glenn Beck, but that makes me more interested in him for sure. <laughs> um, another funny thing here, at the very end of the music section, King wrote a musical entitled Ghost Brothers of Darkland County in 2012 with musician John Mellencamp. Wow. <laughs> that seems completely out of left field. <laughs> I wonder if there's anything interesting in his personal life. We know that he's only had one spouse and three children. Um, yeah, let's dig the dirt here, Mitch. Yeah. He developed oh, a drinking his... problem in the se- early 70s. I believe he also had a cocaine problem for about 20 years. That <laughs> Maybe sure. I'm wrong. Um, yeah, so his wife, who he married in 71, is also a novelist and philanthropic activist. The couple own and divide their time between three houses, one in Bangor, Maine, set to become a museum, uh, one in Lovell, Maine, and for the winter, a waterfront mansion located in the Gulf of Mexico in Sarasota, Florida. It's weird that they know all that. (laughs) Um, Three children and four grandchildren. Their daughter is a Unitarian Universalist church minister in Plantation, Florida, with her lesbian partner. Reverend Dr. Thandika. That's interesting. Huh. That sounds yeah. like a show there. 
It does. I agree. A, a Unitarian <laughs> Reverend with their lesbian partner. You Absolutely, show guys. Um, Joe Hill, his son. Well, his name is Joseph Hillstrom King, who writes as Joe Hill. I gotta say, gotta give him credit for not using his given last name. Oh yeah, because he Lots looks to- just like Stephen. King. Yes. <laughs> Just looking at this picture. <laughs> uh, his debut novel, Heart Shaped Box, in 2007 was optioned by Warner Brothers. It's interesting. Huh. Let's see. In the early 70s, like you said, King developed a drinking problem, which would plague him for more than a decade. Soon after Carrie's release in 1974, King's mother died of uterine cancer. King has written of his severe drinking problem at this time, stating that he was drunk while delivering the eulogy at his mother's funeral. That's dark. I wonder if they reference the release of Carrie because his mom was inspired by it. I, I mean, we could we could look more into this Wikipedia, but I'll just guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, Conjecture. <laughs> oh, wow. He can barely remember writing Cujo. That's <laughs> one of that. his more famous ones, too. Yeah. They stage an intervention for him at some point. Oh, yeah, they, they reference cocaine, Xanax, Valium, NyQuil, cough medicine, and marijuana. As King, relate, uh, as King related in his memoir, he then sought help, quit all drugs in the late 80s, and has remained sober since. That's good. Good for him. Mitch, in his filmography, they have Fever Pitch <laughs> because he played himself, I guess. <laughs> oh, I certainly don't remember that. I don't either. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, apparently, him and his wife own a a company that manages multiple radio stations. It's interesting. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Won a lot of awards. Not that that's surprising. What else we got in this filmography? <laughs> what a, yeah, what, I'm mostly curious about stuff that he's acted in. It's got to be all stuff that he wrote, right? It's a lot of that. Like, he's probably in the background of things. Um, so you got to look for writer, no, actor, yes. Right. Um, oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, Creep Show 2 played a truck driver. <laughs> in Night Riders in 1981, his role was Hoagie Man. Was it Creep Show 2? Is that what you said for? Yeah, as a truck driver. <laughs> what is? I know we're not going to move on, but I need to quickly see what Creep Show 2 is. <laughs> You know what's interesting? He doesn't have any writer credit on the movie adaptation of Thinner. I noticed that too. He plays a pharmacist. Yeah, like well, he exactly like he has nothing X-Files. to do with it. Did you know that? I was I was looking through it. Yeah, I didn't know it before. That's interesting. This. He huh. played Brian in an episode of Frasier. <laughs> Mitch, he played Frasier in an episode of Frasier. <laughs> he played that. He played Frasier in the whole series of <laughs> Frasier. How did we not know this? <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're correct. He played himself in Fever Pitch. That's very interesting. He played uh, a character in one episode of Sons of Anarchy. Mitch, he wrote... What else was it? He wrote and was an actor and an EP in an episode of Under the Dome. (laughs) Interesting. That's a little odd, yeah. Oh, yeah, Under the Dome is, I think, adapted from Stephen King. That's right, it is. He played a shopkeeper in It Chapter 2, but is again, does not have a writing credit. I wonder what that's about. That's cool. I mean, I guess it's probably just like a story credit, right? Yeah, story by, that makes sense. 
he plays a minister in the original Pet Cemetery, which he does have writing credit for. I really think we should end it on the 1981 uh, Night Riders, where he played the role of Hoagie Man and had no other connection to the film. <laughs> well, Godspeed, Hoagie Man. <laughs> where did we start? Uh, was... we, we started on that uh, Japanese role-playing game. Oh, yes. And ended on Night Riders. <laughs> ended on Night Riders, where Stephen King, of course, played Hoagie Man. Writers is starring Ed Harris. Oh, really? Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) good good to know. (laughs) Oh, it was a George A. Romero. That's why Stephen King was in it. Uh, For those who don't know, uh, he was the original uh, director of Night of the Living Dead, the first ever zombie movie. Zombie movies were kind of his thing. Also, apparently, in this movie was Tom Savini, famous prosthetic makeup artist who uh did who I believe directed Friday the 13th, the original film oh, in the franchise. Anyway, I guess that wraps us up uh there on Hoagie Man. Um now a couple of things that I want everyone out there to keep in mind. Uh we are at Any Ideas Podcast on Twitter. Any ideas? on Facebook and the any ideas pod at gmail.com. Uh, you know, please rate review and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts and tell your friends about us. Our theme of course is rocket by Herbie Hancock. But until next week, remember to always cite your sources unless that source is Wikipedia. Hoagie. This has been a Kermit the Prague production.